Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. This week began for me with a great deal of anxiety. Well, I guess that isn't new or unusual for me. I am by nature a person with anxiety, but there are also always triggers that increase the vibe. Fortunately, those triggers this week abated, and then in the middle of the week, there was the opening of the Lenten season with Ash Wednesday. I was also in the middle of a 10-week Ignatian retreat, my very first, which I am endeavoring with the assistance of weekly Sunday online guidance by Father Ed Broom of St. Peter Chanel Church to complete, to participate in. It's the third week, ending the third week today, this Saturday. I watch his live presentations to others, and they are in-person attendees, and I'm sure there are other people like me online. And then I take the meditations he provides and work each day with them. I pray for a good Lent. I can't really say that I've ever had a truly good Lent. I am antsy in addition to my other probably worse frailties. But I have to say with this past Ash Wednesday and the retreat in progress, I'm hoping for one that is more fruitful spiritually, where I am truly seeking to keep my eyes on him and follow him to Calvary. For a minute, I want to talk about yesterday. Well, more than a minute. I want to talk about yesterday. A first Friday of the month and a first Friday of the Lenten season. But you know, what I feel, what I felt is that that Friday, yesterday, was a perfect ordinary day. And that's why I want to share it with you, if that's okay. I've been trying to curb my tendency to go to bed very late and get up late the next day. I won't tell you that I have ever gotten up at the crack of dawn, and certainly I have not been getting up at the crack of dawn to begin my hour of prayer or spiritual reading, contemplation and or meditation. That would be an outright lie. But I am trying to be up by at least nine. In the prior days, it was pretty warm, and I like to sit on my terrace in the sun for that hour. It's quiet enough, and there is something extra wonderful about hearing the hummingbirds sweep in and out for their nectar. One of the early meditations of the retreat was on paying attention to the creations of God, things like the ocean, the sky, and the animals, and particularly to understand that you and I are the ultimate of his creation, after the angels perhaps, that his creation of the universe, the world, and especially us, was the result of such an outpouring of love with the only goal for us to serve him, obey him, in order to be happy with him. If someone's not a believer, I know that this basic premise is outlandish. But what, my dear agnostic or atheist, if it's not? That discussion, I guess, is for another time. Friday, it was a little cooler than it's been, and there was a promise of rain. When I went outside with my workbook, my Bible, and my notebook for writing thoughts about the meditations, I sat down to 
that focus of the day, which was purgatory. I learned something today I should have known, that the idea of praying for those who have died, who might not be condemned by God, but in fact will be with him, but need purification, comes from the Old Testament, from 1 Maccabees 12. I have only in the last few years become really attuned to the idea of praying for the dead. We live in a world where believers assume that everyone is in heaven once they die. In fact, we could be doing a real harm to someone who needs purgation, as most of us will when we die. We might not have a mortal sin on our souls, but there isn't like a one of us who hasn't some venial ones or a whole lot that have piled up. Be that as it may, I managed to spend the hour without being terribly antsy about whether the hour was up. I've been getting a little better each day on that score, but I have to be careful not to become smug because I know my personality. I know my restlessness. I really didn't have a plan for activities of the day. I realized that when I do overplan, the anxiety pops in about what happens if I don't get everything in. But yesterday, Friday, with the morning meditation completed, for some reason, I simply didn't worry about the time. I have someone I have responsibility for in a nursing home who has end-of-stage dementia, which will or could go on for years yet, meaning that she knows no one. She barely speaks. She has forgotten the faith that was so crucial to her because this kind of dementia affects the ability to swallow. She can only eat liquid food, and so she really can't receive communion any longer, which was also so profoundly critical to her life. She was a daily mass attendee. Before COVID, I was at the home two and three times a week. I even used to help at the art class. But COVID, the two-year now, as of March 15th, two-year COVID threw the routine into disarray and my visits became fairly infrequent. I had some things on Friday to bring to the facility for her. In fact, I've had those things for some time and I thought I'd spend a little time with her, though I know she would not recognize me nor likely even talk to me. The last time I saw her, she was basically sleeping in her wheelchair, largely unresponsive. This is a disease that just doesn't get better, only worse. So I wasn't expecting much in seeing her, just to be sure she was okay. There's someone that comes to the nursing home three days a week to give her extra attention, and I knew she'd be there, which would make interaction easier and maybe even a bit more fluid. So on the way to the nursing home, I got a tomato and mozzarella sandwich at Starbucks, it being a Friday in Lent. One of my real failures every single time Lent comes is I always forget not to eat meat on Fridays, which is really kind of unforgivable because it's really a very simple thing. During the drive, munching on my sandwich, somehow everything felt easy and pleasant. I wasn't in a rush. I didn't care about the traffic or the construction. That's a rarity. What a gift that I was so at peace. I am almost never at such peace. Here's what else that was extraordinary. When I got there to see my elderly friend, her name is Veronica. She's 98 years old. She was going to get her hair done. It actually didn't look too bad after several weeks. 
and while she was being caressingly fed by someone with real compassion with music from Google, D. Martin, as it happened, wafted in the air, Veronica seemed, despite her lack of engagement with the world or with us, surprisingly content. Her face is just about as unlined as anyone's could be at any age, let alone at her age. It was as if something inside of her was, in fact, sustaining her. When she used to be able to talk, she would say, as so many very old say, what is the Lord waiting for about the fact she was so elderly and was still here on earth? She wasn't complaining because she's always viewed it as good to fulfill her mission. And if suffering is involved for the Lord, she's, she's all in. But more, she was really asking the question because she wants to be, has always wanted to be with God. She is one of those really amazing people who lived the serving and obeying and praising God in this life in order to be happy with him in the next. I saw it for like 30 years before the dementia hit her, but she believed in each of us having that specific mission in this life. For many years, she took care of the sick, and as she said, quote, save babies, for she was an active pro-life advocate. Despite what is now her clear infirmity, he was there. He, the Lord, clearly still had some mission for her in this little room, surrounded by many of her holy things. And that just became clear to me in a flash, and it was amazingly comforting. I did take a picture of her. I wanted to put it on Instagram to show everyone, but you know, the photo didn't give, didn't present what was there, impaired though she is, that something shone forth, someone shone forth. What I had expected to be a short and not particularly pleasant visit was amazingly wonderful and spiritual in a peculiar way. I felt as if I was part of God's plan with her, in her part of God's plan. I left consoled something I wasn't expecting. I had planned this week to get to my parish and do the computer entries I help with. I'm back to just doing that now once a week and now I'm not working part-time in the office since the secretary has come back. I really wanted to do it before the end of the work week and well Friday was my last possibility. Even making my computer entries, which is really kind of a tedious job, was actually pleasant. Nothing different from what I have done many other days, but this day there was some kind of peaceful momentum. Morning meditation and Veronica had somehow set the tone. Why this day? I didn't know, but it was nice. I finished the work in about an hour and a half, and by that time it was already 4.30. Then I remembered Friday. This Friday was the exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, first Friday. Usually my restlessness prevents me from going from work and running around to spending a bit more time in prayer. But yesterday I was drawn to it. Thank you, Lord. I was drawn to you instead of resisting you, so I went to the church from the office. There were about, I don't know, five to seven people in there, and I went to the front. One of the other elder statesmen of the parish, over 90 years himself, had just reset the alarm someone had set off by leaning over the altar rail. We said a brief hello, and he passed me by. I settled in. About 
half hour into my reading a Lenten booklet and taking in the Lord represented on the altar in the monstrance, truly all, body, blood, soul, and divinity on the altar, my phone rang, low, happily, but I looked about, slightly embarrassed to see whom I had disturbed. Turns out I was alone in the church. You're not supposed to leave our Lord unattended during exposition. I knew that. And I also knew that there was at least an hour and a half before the end of exposition, or that's what I thought, and I wondered, would I, could I leave if no one came in? It suddenly became a really important question. And I realized that though he didn't need me, I couldn't leave. So if no one came, I would stay. I would stay. What a revelation. I guess I was kind of delighted about it. Not proud, but just delighted. Even Nancy me, restless always, I would stay. But as it turned out, someone did come in. And I did stay at least another half hour. Now, I'm not, believe me, I'm not patting myself on the back. I know people who have spent hours before the exposed Blessed Sacrament. But I was just happy that I would want to stay. I, I guess what I was was consoled by the fact that I wanted to stay, which came through the grace of God. Does that make any sense? I had spent about two hours this past Friday, really spent two hours with our Lord. That's a habit I have never had that I really want to cultivate. I know it's a critical key. Yesterday was one of those rare days in my human life where I know that I had a glimpse of paradise. I'd seen behind the curtain for just the briefest of moments to what is promised a thousandfold. I'm reading a book by Robert Hugh Benson, who is a convert to Catholicism, another one of those converts from the 19th century, the late 19th century, like uh, Cardinal Newman and Gerard Manley Hopkins. This gentleman doesn't seem to be as well known, but he had a similar sort of road to conversion from the Anglican faith. This book, I'm reading some apocalyptic literature, fiction, and he wrote one in the late 19th century called Lord of the World. And in it, one of the featured characters naturally is a Catholic priest. I read in this book, I'm not finished with it, but in the early part of the book, a paragraph in which the priest is describing his experience before, or his effort with the grace of God before the Blessed Sacrament. And I want to read it to you because it really, really surprised me and moved me. And when I was sitting myself before the Blessed Sacrament yesterday, I found myself thinking to that paragraph and wondering if I could experience what he describes. And of course, realizing that I was asking a great deal. Not that God couldn't provide it for me, but I, I guess I didn't feel like I was ready to ask. So here's the paragraph. He began, as his custom was in mental prayer, by a deliberate act of self-exclusion from the world of sense. Under the image of sinking beneath the surface, he forced himself downwards and inwards till the peal of the organ, the shuffle of footsteps, the rigidity of the chair back beneath his wrists all seemed apart and external, and he was left a single person with a beating heart an intellect that suggested image after image and emotions that were too languid to stir themselves. 
Then he made his second ascent, renounced all that he possessed and was, and became conscious that even the body was left behind, and that his mind and heart, awed by the presence in which they found themselves, clung close and obedient to the will which was their lord and protector. He drew another long breath, or two, as he felt that presence surge about him. He repeated a few mechanical words and sank to that peace which follows the relinquishment of thought. So that was my day yesterday, trying to approach that transcendence, if you will, at the end of the day, after having a rather comforting day overall, a perfect ordinary day for an ordinary Catholic. That was going to be the show, just sharing that with you. But then today came, Saturday. Saturday's the day I actually record for the most part. And I woke up not in extreme opposite mood, not exactly in desolation, which are some of the things we're talking about in this retreat, consolation, which I was talking about in terms of yesterday. And then today, a kind of almost desolation, just not really able to consider any of this stuff and not wanting to face ordinary tasks. Where yesterday I was, you know, ready to climb the mountain. I couldn't even make a basic decision. Should I do my hour meditation first or do this podcast first? And I felt actually unable to move. The workbook suggested going over some of the previous week's meditations, especially about consolation and desolation. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what yesterday was. What I've even said it was, but didn't realize it was. Yesterday was a whole day of consolation. And today I felt as if I'm back at square one. What I did yesterday easily, I could barely sit still for doing today. There was one line in the workbook that said, if you're having trouble just spending the hour, just spending the hour, really spending the hour, that would be prayer enough. That itself was a brief moment of reconsolation, if you will. Then it became clear that this podcast wasn't going to be just about the perfect ordinary Catholic day, but it was also going to be about recognizing the other side of the coin and what is required in this retreat, what is required in this life, is perseverance, something which we human beings have very little of. To me, the most extraordinary act of perseverance is Jesus Christ, God made man, in his human nature, suffering torture at the hands of his creatures so that he may lead the way to eternal life, which we had lost. Whenever we ask, Rail, Lord, why are you making me suffering? We're missing the point as Catholics, the very essence of our faith. His desolation became consolation. His being back with his father in both of his natures, he went through the torture and desolation to resurrection. That's the prize. We know this. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to be one of those people asking about suffering. I do it all the time. But the point is, the idea is to persevere and to stand right behind him as he walks on the road to Calvary. Because that's where ultimately 
consolation will come through. It doesn't seem like it. It really doesn't seem like it. But that's the heart of our faith that he has transformed the suffering and that we will have eternal consolation, better than consolation, joy with him. If I hold, then eternity will be ordinary in its very perfection. So ends another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I'm going to close with a prayer that I found, which I've known about before, which I've been using before I do my hour meditation in the retreat. And it's a prayer by Charles de Foucault called the Prayer of Abandonment. I don't necessarily do it very well because I find I want to I want to uh, edit the prayer and say that this is what I want to do but I haven't done yet. But I'm going to read it as it is written. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence. For you are my Father. Amen. See you next week.